Go up there. That goes up. Yep. One, two, three. You're on now. Ah, praise the Lord. Thank God for technology <laughs> and, and people that know how to do it. <laughs> God is good, isn't he? Would you just take a moment and turn around and tell someone you have miracles coming your way? You have miracles coming your way. Amen. Amen. Uh, I bring greetings from my wife, my family, and the church. And I want to thank you for inviting me to come. It's an honor to be here, and I'm very grateful uh, for the invitation and very grateful that uh, the Lord uh, sent me. And I, I pray that you're really blessed and that you would be very encouraged and strengthened and healed and just anything you have need of that the Holy Spirit would come and minister to you today. It's such a privilege to know Jesus, isn't it? And to be saved. And uh, what a wonderful thing to know God and what a wonderful thing to serve the Lord and to go wherever the Holy Spirit leads us and to minister to whoever God sends us to. And what a wonderful thing that uh, to hear the testimonies, to worship together and uh, to be back here. May the Lord just richly bless you. If you would, let's hold our Bibles up and we say, thank you, Lord, for all you've done. We love the word. We love you because you first loved us. You cared about us. You reached out to us. You called our name. We've had a lot of encounters with you over our lives and they've been marvelous, each and every one, because you're marvelous. And when you reached out in your grace and touched us, you're never the same again. We want to thank you, Lord, for the relationships we have in the body of Christ. We want to ask you to forgive us for taking those for granted. We ask you to help open our eyes to see and understand how valuable everybody is in the body of Christ. Let us look to the, Lord, to the lost world who don't know you when we were in a condition and didn't know you. May we look at them the way you looked at us. May we love them the way you loved us. And that we could come to you as we were. You accepted us. And so by the grace of God through faith, we could receive you and be born again. That we could be the sons and daughters of God. We thank you for the harvest that you have propelled us in. Individual harvest, harvest for our family, and harvest for our local church families. We thank you for the body of Christ. Would you say that with me? I thank you, Lord, for the body of Christ. I pray my words are yours in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. You can open your Bibles at 1 Samuel chapter 3. I'll try to begin at verse 1 in a little bit. And uh, you know, when you come to know Jesus Christ, you realize that you've become part of an enormous family that is all over the world. Now, the statisticians tell us there's approximately uh, 8 billion people on the earth and uh, 2.3 or so claim to be Christians. But uh, a lot of people call themselves Christians just because, well, someone in their family said they were Christians. But to be a true Christian, a follower of Jesus, means that by the grace of God, you have come to recognize that your sin separated you from God. And God allowed you to see the Holy Spirit came and drew you. He actually called you by name. And he drew you to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you were able to recognize your sin, you're separated from God, and that Jesus died for you. A believer, a Christian, is one who trusts the Lord completely for their salvation. I trust the Lord Jesus Christ and all he did for my salvation. And when I believe that in my heart and confess it with my mouth, then he comes in and lives within me. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-present and actually gives us eternal life. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Let's just lift our hand and thank the Lord for the eternal life that we have through the life giver, the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, and may we be strengthened in this hour to go share Christ with people and to minister with people. You have been endued with power from the Holy Spirit to go out and share how your encounter with Christ changed your life and brought joy and brought hope. May we never lose sight of the commission 
And all the church said, I ministered last night. If you were not here, I'm sure you can go online and, and get that information. But I was talking about hearing and seeing and God is opening ears and God is opening eyes. And as we have encounters with the Lord, he'll cause us to begin to think differently. And you can see in Acts chapter nine, God was moving in a man who persecuted the church, Saul of Tarsus, and God stepped into his life and his thinking began to change. And Ananias, a disciple, sent on assignment by the Lord to minister to Saul of Tarsus. But he had heard that what he had heard about Saul of Tarsus was no longer true because what he heard about Saul was before Jesus touched him. And we can let things that we've heard stop us. We can let things that we've heard that are no longer true stop us from ministering and obeying the Lord. But yet God will do things that we're not even aware of. And so God wants to move us beyond operating in our soul, which is very limited, uh, to operating in the spirit. Can I hear an amen? amen? I believe we're in a season of hearing and seeing. And so I just trust the Lord to help me to minister tonight uh, to all of us. First Samuel is a very powerful text as the Bible is amazing no matter where you go. I've been preaching for 52 years. I've been pastoring for 39 years. I'm amazed that when you open up the Bible and you begin to worship the Lord in the morning and the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you, you never exhaust the Word of God. Say it with me. The Word of God, Word of God. is alive and it speaks to you all the time. It's so full of light. You'll never exhaust any one topic. In heaven, we're, see, we're given a picture uh, by one inspired of the Holy Spirit, more than one, but they saw the throne. They saw the glory of God. There are angels there that sing, holy, holy, holy. Let's say together, holy, holy, holy. They never stop singing and declaring holiness of God. With a, with a revelation of God's word, it never ends. And so may the Lord give us a hunger for the word. Can I hear an amen? amen. And a thirst for the Lord like we've never had before. Yes. If you just begin to cry out to God for a hunger, he will give you an appetite for the word of God. In a natural, if we stop eating, we're in trouble. In a natural, when we lose our appetite, we're in trouble. In the spirit realm, if we lose our appetite for the word of God and the fellowship with the Lord, we're in trouble. So turn around and tell somebody, have some appetite for the things of God. That's right. There's a woman in the Bible, 1 Samuel 1, by the name of Hannah. I believe that Hannah is one of the most courageous and strongest people in the Bible apart from Jesus and his journey to Calvary's Hill to face the cross. What this woman does is astounding. And as you begin to read 1 Samuel, you see this woman going to the altar, going to the temple to pray and seek the Lord. And she wants to have a child. She's been mocked. She's been made fun of. She's been ridiculed. And she suffered a great deal. But in her heart, she wants to have a child. She wants to have a family. And she goes to the Lord. How many of you know that when God puts a desire in your heart, you just can't let go of it? And she cries out to the Lord in a place of brokenness and intercession. And she commits to God. He puts a, a, a desire in her heart. Lord, if you give me a child, I'll give that child to you. Hold your hand out. Lord, if you give me a child, I'll give that child to you. She's not manipulating God because God doesn't respond to manipulation. It's in her heart. I want to have a family. And she's crying out to the Lord in a place of travail. And she's misunderstood by the priest. He thinks that perhaps she's drunk, that she's been drinking too much wine. He has expectation that what she's doing is what's happening in his own house, what's happening among some of the priests. So he misunderstands what's happening. She doesn't get offended. She doesn't get bitter. She says, oh, no, that's not what's happening. I'm, I'm crying out to God. There's a brokenness in her spirit. And when you begin to pray and cry out to God for things, you'll find a brokenness in God. Can I hear an amen? amen. And he blesses her and she leaves and she conceives. Her and her husband uh, are going to have a child. And she has it in her heart to not go back 
and offer sacrifice with a heart of repentance until the child is born and the child is weaned. And there's an amazing thing here in this, hus in this husband, this man of God. Just hold your hand out like this. And he blesses her. He says, you do what is in your heart. Now, men, listen, when we begin to bless what's in the heart of our wives that's come there by the Holy Spirit, God will turn around and bless you. Amen. Can I hear an amen? amen? He honors what God has put in her heart. You do what you think is right between you and God. He will continue to go and offer sacrifice once a year. And what has the Lord put in her heart but to give her son to the Lord, to take him to the temple and leave him there to be trained by the priests. What an amazing thing. What a courageous thing. I love children. I wanted to have children. I wanted to have family from the time I was a little boy. How can you explain such a thing except God puts it in your heart? And we wanted to have children. My wife, and I, it's a miracle we could have babies. It's a miracle that our three sons lived. They fought death when they were born or while they were being born that God helped us and God brought us through that and we are grateful for that. And it's hard for me to even imagine just put your children in your hand and giving them to God and leaving them there and saying, I'll be back next year. He was only about three years old at best. He was just a little guy that's just been weaned. And what does the Bible say about Samuel when he's been left in the temple to be trained and raised by the priests? and been given to the Lord. His mother's an intercessor. His mother's a woman of prayer. His mother is a worshiper of the one true God. She's trusting God to raise her child. And the Bible says that little Samuel ministered unto the Lord. Just lift your hand. At a young age, he was a worshiper of God. He began to worship God. It's one of the first things we see in the Bible about Samuel that he learned, and it's that he learned to worship the Lord. And then the Bible tells us it's an amazing text. And I've been thinking about this a lot. And you ladies, just hold your hands up like this, if you would. You men, just hold your hands up like this, if you would. The mother would prepare a little coat for him every year. She would prepare a coat to take to give to Samuel. And you and I can prepare a mantle for our children. We can prepare a coat for our children. It took insight. It took a word of knowledge. It took prophetic insight as only a mother could do and a mother's love could do. I'm going to prepare a coat for my son. No doubt when she delivered it, it was probably a little big. Maybe next year when she took another, it might have been a little small. However, I believe that God gave her wisdom to create this coat. I believe she oversaw the thing from the beginning to the wool that would be on the uh, sheep, uh, to the shearing of it, to turning it into thread, to dyeing it, to having it in her hand to make a coat for him. When she put it on him, she probably explained to him, as you grow, if you just cut this little stitch right here, the leaves, the sleeves can get a little longer. As you grow, you can cut these stitches right here and it'll become a little bit bigger or it'll become a little bit longer. What a thing to think that she would prepare a coat all year and take it to her son. There was all kind of mess going on in the temple, in Eli's life, and in his son's life. No doubt there were voices coming to this mother. I can't believe you just left your child at the house of God. I can't believe you left him under Eli's supervision. And don't you know how terrible his sons are and the atrocities that are taking place? How many of you know when you obey God, the enemy has a loud voice? But we need to remember what the Lord said. Now grab a hold of that. Remember what the Lord said. And she brought Samuel and dedicated him to the Lord. Eli went ahead and blessed her. And she and her husband will have a family. And God will bless them. And so when we get to chapter 3, we want to go to verse 1. What happens when there's a mess? What is Samuel doing? Complaining that he's been left there? When the sons are living in sin and all kinds of atrocities are taking place, does he murmur? Does he complain? Does he get bitter towards his mother? 
No. Say together, no. He worships the Lord over and over. In 1 Samuel 1 and 2, he's a worshiper. When a man of God comes and delivers a prophetic word to Eli, it is not a very positive word. Your family name will no longer be known as priests. It's not the kind of word you want to hear. Does Samuel rejoice in a negative report? No. Does he even know the ministry was what was said? Probably not. What is he doing? Say it together. He's worshiping the Lord. Come on, let's say it together. He's worshiping the Lord. He's right where God wants him to be. And the mother loves him, but loves God even more. And she's able to trust God to take care of her children. I want to say this, say it together. I trust God to take care of my children. I trust God to take care of my grandchildren for generation after generation after generation until the Lord returns. I trust the Lord. No matter what kind of mess is going on, I'm not going to join the criticism. I'm not joining the accusation. I'm not going to become a part of a problem. I'm going to worship the Lord. And when we get to 1 Samuel chapter 3, and remember we're talking about seeing and hearing. Let's say it together, seeing and hearing. And an encounter with God will open your eyes. An encounter with God will open your ears. An encounter with God will bring repentance, which is, means to think different and to face God. Listen, folks, I believe God wants to help us think different. And if we begin, when we begin to have an experience with God, the freshness of the experience, the freshness of the word has life in it. So no matter what's happened or what you've heard or what you experience, say it together, the word is fresh. All through the Old Testament as well as in the New, but especially in the Old Testament, there is a word when the Lord speaks to all the prophets, all of them. He said, arise, say it together, arise. And what that means in Hebrew is this, you leave the place where you are now. You, where you are now is where God sent you. It was anointed to sustain you. But the once, once the God says arise, now that place of anointing in life becomes a place of death. And if you stay where you were after God gave you fresh, it's a dead place. But if you will move into what God is saying, you will move into fresh. You will move into alive. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Say together, praise the Lord. Praise and every prophet did except Jonah. When God said, arise, only Jonah didn't. And the world threw him into the will of God. I don't want the world to throw me into the will of God. I want to jump into the will of God swiftly. I want to jump into the will of God obediently. Can I hear an amen? amen? And so Samuel is praising the Lord. What's the first thing that Samuel learned? Let's say it together. To praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. One more time. To praise the Lord. To praise the Lord. Amen. Now, as we move along in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 3, he's praising the Lord. And uh, it's, I'll begin at verse uh, uh, 1. And the child ministered unto the Lord before Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days, and there was no open vision. So the, God speaking and ministering to the prophets is not uh, happening on a regular basis. It's very rare. And it came to pass at that time when Eli was laid down in his place, that his eyes began to wax dim. Now, remember, say with me, God's dealing with eyes. Acts chapter 9. And in the natural as well as in the spiritual, and he's dealing with ears. It had grown dim, and he could not see. And the lamp of God went out in the temple of the Lord, where the ark of God and Samuel was laid down to sleep. Now, as a priest, they're instructed, according to the law, don't let the light go out before daylight. Would you just grab a hold of that? He was failing in his responsibilities. He was not doing what needed to be done. And so in the midst of some eyes being closed, God is now going to begin to open some. Can I hear an amen? amen. And where some are deaf, now there's going to begin to be a hearing. And Samuel laid down. Now, the second thing he's going to learn is this, to hear the word of the Lord. Say it with me, to hear the word of the Lord. 
Now say it again, to hear the word of the Lord. Listen, Jesus taught us in John 10, I'm the shepherd and I know the voice of my sheep. He also taught us that if you're the sheep and you know Christ and he's your shepherd, you will know his voice. We don't hear voices. If, if you hear voices and are tormented with that, the Lord can set you free right here tonight. The Lord can set you free. However, I do believe as believers that God can speak to our heart. I believe the Bible. Say again, I believe the Bible. And so uh, it says in verse four, and the Lord called Samuel and uh, he answered, here I am. Say together, here I am. Now that's a powerful statement. I'll speak a little more on it here in a little bit. And he ran to Eli. Now when God spoke, he responded. He's a servant of the Lord. He's about 12 years of age now. And he's going to run to his master and say this, here I am. Say it with me, here I am. And uh, Samuel answered uh, and uh, spoke to Eli and Eli said, "Uh, I didn't call you, go back and lay down. And so verse six, and the Lord called yet again, Samuel, say it again, Samuel. Now folks, listen, God knows your name. He knew you by name. He knew everything about you. He knew how many hairs you have on your head when he, by Holy Spirit, drew you into relationship with the Lord. Now, I want you to say this with me. God knows my name. And what did Samuel do? He jumped up and ran back into Eli, the priest. And he said, here I am. You've called me. And he answered, I didn't call you, my son. Go lay down. Verse seven, and Samuel did not yet know the Lord, neither was the word of the Lord revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again the third time. And he arose and he went to Eli. And he said, here am I. You did call me. And Eli perceived that the Lord has called this boy. Now this word, here I am, is powerful. I want to talk about that in a little bit. But it means I've come. It's a powerful prophetic declaration and commitment. It means as we see demonstrated, say with me, I am here and I'm here ready to serve you. I don't know what you want. I don't know what you're going to ask me to do, but I'm your servant. And so whatever you say unto me, I'm here and I'm ready to do it. And Eli taught him. No doubt, as I said earlier, I can't believe you let Eli teach him. Eli's household's a mess. You shouldn't even be over there. You need to go get him and bring him home. Remember this, it's always best to obey God and trust the Lord. And God wants to bring us to a place where we're saying, here I am, whatever you say I will do, I'm your servant. And, and it's time for us to give our children to the Lord and our grandchildren. Come on. And Eli said, go lay down and it shall be if the Lord will call you that you say, speak Lord for thy servant heareth. So Samuel went and laid down and the Lord came uh, and stood and called as the other time, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered, speak Lord, say with me, speak Lord for thy servant is here to listen. I hear you. Say it with me. Here I am. Here I am. Speak to me, Lord. Now, Listen, folks, it's time for us to spend time in prayer. It's time for us, what's prayer? Communicating with God. It's time for the church to begin to ask the Lord what God would have us to do and grab a hold of what God's going to tell us to do and move beyond what we may have heard, what we may think we know. But know this, when God speaks, no matter what you may think you know, it no longer matters. It no longer matters. Remember when the Lord said to Ananias, the disciple, go on in and go to Straight Street and pray at the house of Judah for a man named Saul. He's from Tarsus. He's praying right now. He's had a vision. He's blind. He saw you come in and lay hands on him in the spirit realm and his eyes be opened. Can I hear an amen? Amen. And Ananias, well, I've heard about this man. He persecutes the church. He martyrs the church. He tortures the church. Yes, he did. But what you don't know, Ananias, is that he's saved now. What you don't know is that he's had an encounter with God. And how many of you know encounters with God change all the facts? All the facts. All the facts get changed. Praise the Lord. When you got saved, people that knew you were like, wow, you're not the same anymore. No, I'm not. I'm different. Praise God. 
Say it with me, praise God. Praise God. Uh, when I got saved and I was in seventh grade, my classmates voted uh, for me to be in student council, uh, to be a voice for the students. But the teachers decided they have to approve that. And they decided, no, he can't be on the student council. I went to see my principal, a man who I liked and uh, would build a good relationship with. He helped make a difference in my life. And I said, well, I understand that I was voted to be on the student council by the students, but some of the teachers decided that I shouldn't be on student council. He said, that's right. I said, well, uh, you mind telling me why they don't want me on student council? He said, oh, I don't mind telling you at all. He said, uh, you know, I got saved in seventh grade. As soon as I got saved, I started sharing Christ with people, getting people saved. Between seventh grade and 12th grade, I would lead 200 uh, people to the Lord in school. And they, he said, the teachers are concerned that you'll use that position to win people to Christ. And so they decided maybe you shouldn't be on student council. I said, well, they were right. I'm gonna, every position I'm in, I'm gonna use it to win people to Christ. But I don't have to be on student council to win people to Christ. Now, mind you, I'm not bitter. I'm not speaking negatively of the teachers at all, hello. But grab a hold of this and say, I'm gonna use every opportunity to win people to Christ. Say it with me, I am a soul winner. And I want you to say this with me, I have a harvest coming. Now that'll involve a lot of things, but the greatest things it's going to involve is souls. And no matter what you harvest, there'll be nothing of any greater value than what you do for the kingdom of God. It has eternal value. The best investment is the things of God. Can I hear an amen? Amen. All right, now the second things he's learned is to hear the word of the Lord. Say together, hear the Lord, word of the Lord. And so God speaks to this young man. Now, take a hold of what God puts in your heart. Take a hold of it, just like this. Hold it up like you've got a hold of it. Well, God does that for other people. God doesn't do that for me. You shouldn't say that or think that because that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says God speaks to you. The Bible says you can hear God. The Bible says that you are led by the Spirit of God, Romans chapter 8, verse 14. The Bible says that the Word of God is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. The Bible says that He's given angels charge over you so you won't stumble in your walk with God. I expect God's going to speak to you. I expect God's going to show you things. And when it's from God, it'll line up with the word of God. Peace will come into your heart and God will confirm it. If you think you heard from God and you don't want to tell anybody in authority, you don't want your parents to know, you don't want the pastor to know, and you want to run off and do it, it's probably not from God. But if you're willing to judge it in light of the word and willing to let God confirm it and submit it to authorities, come on somebody, you'll begin to see that you are on God's path. Now, all you need to be successful in life is a word from God and blessing from authority. You don't have to have anything. You don't have to have any money. You don't have to have any support. You just need a word from God and blessing from authority. Say again, I need a word from God and blessing from authority. And the Lord spoke to me and he said, now I want you to leave the farm. I've called you into ministry. I was 23 years old. And when you're 40, your ministry will begin. I knew I had 17 years of intense training. Didn't even know what all that meant. I don't need to. Say it again, I got a peace. And all I need is a peace. And God began to confirm that. And then our, my pastor and the pastors in my church blessed me. And then my parents blessed me. My wife's parents blessed me who didn't understand anything about a call of God and giving everything away and leaving. Hello? I thought they'd be happy, 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 but I was wrong, wrong, wrong. And they couldn't understand it. They may, not be able to, they may not be able to understand it, but you need their blessing. Say it with me. I need your blessing. Praise the Lord. All right. <laughs> Say it together. Praise the Lord. And I won't give up for your blessing. I'm not going to get mad. I'm just going to keep coming after you until you're so tired of me. You finally just say, be blessed and get out of here. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Uh, I met my wife my senior year in high school. The first day I met her in the doorway of the English class. And uh, I, I spoke a prophetic word to her. I've never ever done that in my whole life. I was shocked what I said. Uh, and later on, I would lead her to the Lord. Within three months, I would lead her to the Lord. I was 17 years old and I was ready to get married. 
And uh, I went to my father-in-law and said, I want to I ask for your daughter's hand in marriage. My wife didn't know it. And uh, uh, she, she didn't need to know it. It was a surprise. <laughs> he was a department head at the university. <clears throat> and uh, they're wonderful people. I, his uh, son, five sons. I played ball with some of them, went to school with some of them. Some of them were older than me. And uh, uh, he wouldn't answer me. He said, well, I'll talk to Lois, his, her mother, and said, I'll get back with you. Well, he didn't get back with me. You know, and I was patient. I waited a day, so <laughs> I went back to his office. Of course, he's got staff, and they got students in there and everything. And uh, uh, I just went in there. I didn't know better. I didn't mean to be rude, but there was a lady there. He, I could see him back in his office. So I just barged right on in there. She's following after me, running after me, said, you can't come in here. You can't come in here. You don't have an appointment. Who are you? And I said, oh, I know Raleigh. And uh, so Raleigh said, you can go back now. He said, it's all right. I know this young man. And I sat down there and she, a great secretary, a good friend of the family. I said, well, what did you and Lois decide? He said, we haven't decided yet. I said, all right, I'll be back. So every week for months, I just kept going back. You could hear my car coming a long ways away. It was very powerful, extremely fast and noisy. So when I would arrive, they would line up at the door on both sides, all the way from the door when you came in the building to his office. And they would just wave at me every day. Turn around and tell somebody, I will not be detoured. I have come to get my blessing. Praise the Lord. And finally, months later, he blessed me. Isn't God good? Now say it with me. I need a word from the Lord and a blessing. And when I have that, nothing can stop me. I have all the authority in the word. I have uh, to do what I need to do as a believer. And I have positioned myself in submission and honor to be blessed of the Lord. So no matter what the opposition is, say it with me. I'm going to win. Now, reach up and grab a hold of the word that you have received from the Lord in your encounter with God. And I want to tell you something. That word is valuable. Here's the third thing that Samuel's going to learn. And Eli says to him in the morning, now I want you to tell me everything the Lord told you. And the Bible said that Samuel didn't want to tell him. Samuel didn't want to deliver the word. And Eli could probably see that. He looked right at that young man. He said, now listen here. You tell me what God told you. If you don't, may it come unto you and worse. And here's what Samuel learned, that the word God gave me is valuable. Hold it out. The word God gave me is valuable. And he learned that as the third lesson. And he told Samuel, uh, Samuel told Eli what God said. And he didn't leave anything out. He didn't embellish. He didn't add to it. He just simply said, here's what God said. And here's what Eli said. He'd already been told once. Now he's been told again. Almost the same thing word for word. He said this, be it unto me as the Lord desires, as the Lord wills. Reach up and grab a hold and learn this. Say that number one, be a worshiper. Number two, learn to hear from God. And number three, what God says. Now, if it's God, he'll confirm it. Say it with me. It's valuable. And from that day on, his words never fell to the earth. Every word came to pass. And because he obeyed God and learned his lessons, come on now, say it together. Amen. 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 Because he learned his lessons, the people began to realize there's a voice now from the Lord. There's a voice from the Lord. Say together, there's a voice for God's people. The word of the Lord is being released to God's people. And, and Samuel is learning how to hear. Say together, praise the, Lord. praise the Lord. Now, folks, I believe God wants us to hear. Say together, God wants us to hear. Amen. Hearing the Lord is important. Seeing the value of what God says is important. And everybody said, amen. So here at the time that Samuel is, he's about 12 years old. How old? Say 12. He's about 12 years old. Now, if you're above 12, I want you to say this with me. I long to have my children hearing God. Well, they're not old enough. They are too old enough. The Lord, one day uh, I, I was praying and I had a vision. 
And the Lord said, I want you to invite this man to come preach in your church. And I had a vision. I saw, uh, I saw him in his office, his shirt, his tie, his pants, his shoes, his feet were up on the desk. He was leaned back on the phone and it was in color. And uh, so somehow I, I got the man's phone number. Uh, I don't think the Lord gave it to me in a vision, but I, I found it and I called him. And he's well known internationally. He's a very popular man. I said, sir, I believe the Lord uh, would have you come and uh, preach here. And, well, I didn't get to him yet. It was a, 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 a administrator, a lady. And she kind of chuckled, not mockingly, but uh, she said, well, we appreciate that. But now here's how we handle invitations. You have to fill this out and you go online and there's a form and fill all that out and send that in. Those intercessors are going to pray over everything. And we'll eventually get that to him who we think and where we think, and then he'll decide. I said, well, that's a wonderful system, and I understand that. And I, I'm confident the Lord gave you those ideas, but I said, I'm not doing that. I said, but I will tell you that I had a vision. The Lord told me to invite this man to come. He's in his office right now. Open the door. His feet are on the door. This is what color his shoes are, his pants are, his shirt are, and his tie is. And tell him what I said. She did. He answered the phone. He said, sir. I said, yes, sir. Uh, he said, uh, uh, you know, what, what can I do for you? I said, well, I believe the Lord wants you to come preach here. And so he told me the same thing. I said, no offense. And I speak respectfully to you. I'm not doing that. I had a vision. I called you. You're in your office. Your feet are up on the, on the desk. You're doing this, 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 wearing this, this, this. This is what your office looks like. And I said, you take it up with God. Now, now I wouldn't be in cocky. I'm just, you know, that's the way it is. And he said, I'll inquire of the Lord. I said, you do that and I'll hear back from you. He called me in 10 days. He said, pastor, he said, listen, I'm supposed to come to your church. I said, I, know, I believe that. I said, and I told him, I said, sir, we'll do whatever you need done to accommodate you. You just call me. You can be in town. We'll, well, I'll call the people. We'll have a meeting. You come any day, anytime you want, and we'll facilitate you as the very best we can, as quickly as we can. He said, thank you. And they gave me a date and we set it up and he came and he's an awesome man of God. Now we were having church 15 to 18 hours a day, nonstop. Then that only lasted for about a year and a half. Hundreds of kids. We served peanut butter sandwiches in the glory at one o'clock. So all the little kids could eat. And I said, now, listen here, God's moving in a powerful way. We'll be at church all day and up into the night. And we'll go from about eight o'clock to midnight. And here's your honorarium. I don't know why you're here. If you got something to say and the Lord opens the door, fine. But if he doesn't, and I can't tell you what's going to happen. The Holy Spirit's showing up. Sometimes the entire congregation and people out in the parking lot fall out for hours. Sometimes the entire worship team falls out for hours and I just have to kind of govern things and see what's up. You might get to preach, you might not. He looked at me like I was from a foreign land and he sat right there. And as we began to worship, the glory fell. There wasn't an available seat in the entire building. And uh, children started coming up, little children. And most of them were approximately six years old, but they were anywhere from three or four to six or eight-ish to maybe 10 years old. About 45 of them came up here. I didn't invite them. They just started coming on their own and they'd fall out and get baptized in the Holy Ghost, start speaking in tongues and prophesying. And they'd fallen down all around his feet. And he's just sitting there like the angels said to the disciples in Acts chapter one, and he said, why are you standing around here with your mouth slacking a gate, hanging open? Go to Jerusalem like Jesus told you to and go to the upper room. There's a time when the church needs to stop sitting around like this and go to work. Angels are used to immediate obedience. They're not used to people contemplating whether they want to do it or not. And he's standing there with his mouth slacking open a gate like this. And the Lord spoke to me after about 45 minutes to an hour. He said, have six boys. They were six years old. One of them was my son. Go lay hands on him and prophesy over him. So I got those boys, shook them to a little bit. Said, get up and go lay hands on that man and prophesy over him. 
Now those six boys today are very successful. They brought everything they had to an offering for the building, which we called a miracle offering. They gave everything they had. They took extra jobs at age 12 to give into the building fund. And today they have successful businesses. They laid hands on him and uh, they began to prophesy over him, pray in tongues over him for almost an hour. And the glory moved and I said to him, uh, you got anything to say? He said, I, I, I think so. And he came up there and he read six sentences and sat back down. Praise the Lord. Say together, praise the Lord. And it didn't matter to me, six sentences or six hours. What, you know, he had something from the Lord. He gave it and he sat down. We left that night and got in the car and he got in the car and he fell apart. He absolutely fell apart. He began to sob and began to weep. And he began to repent. And it was just him and God. And I'm just driving. I have the honor and the privilege of being in proximity when the Holy Spirit begins to touch this man's life. Now I turn around and tell somebody, I expect to be touched by God. I expect divine experiences with the one I serve. He's going to apprehend me. I don't know when or where, but when he does, I'm going to yield. Now I've learned to worship him. I've learned to hear him and I've learned to value what he has to say. And he's repenting and he's asking God for forgiveness. And he starts to confess. He said, all my life, say it with me, all my life. I thought they were too little to get saved. I thought they were too little to get baptized in the Holy Ghost. He said, I've sent thousands of children back to their chairs and didn't let them get saved, didn't let them get baptized in the Holy Ghost. He's crying out to God and asking God to forgive him. said, I'll never, ever do that again. I want you to say this with me. I want God to touch my children. I want God to touch that next generation. I want these kids and these young people to have a God experience and have an encounter with the Lord. Can I hear an amen? amen. I, he's 12 years old. Why didn't God choose to speak to the priest of all those that were in that room that day? He didn't speak to any of them. He didn't speak to Eli. He didn't speak to Eli's son. He didn't speak to the priest in all the rooms that were there in that temple. He only moved in one room and that was in Samuel's room. Why? He had the right heart. He was a worshiper. And he learned to listen. And he learned that whatever God says is what matters. Not circumstances, not the mountains in front of me, not what's on that phone or that computer or what anybody has to say. The only thing that matters is what God has to say. And once God speaks, all I need is that word and a blessing from authority and nothing is going to turn me back and nothing is going to stop me. Come on, grab a hold of that. Listen, folks, God wants to put a Holy Ghost persistence inside the body of Christ. Say it with me. I'm not turning back. I'm not leaving. I won't abandon my post for anything. If need be, I'll die at my post. But I will not surrender my assignment or the word of the Lord. It is what matters. Whew, praise the Lord. Say together, praise the Lord. He learned. Say together, he learned. To speak the truth, to be courageous. Even when the word is difficult to say and maybe even more difficult to do. Yeah, but I'm older and I'll retire. Uh, you, if you're still breathing, I have need of you. If you're still breathing, I have need of you. Well, I don't know if I should fight and continue to live on or just pass away. Well, you're going to have to make that decision, but I want to give you a little input. I can use you as long as you can keep breathing. Well, you know, don't you love me? Yeah, I love you. I'm supposed to, but I need workers. <laughs> Welcome to apostolic ministry. Can I hear an amen? amen? And when I get done telling you, I want you to keep living because I got a job for you. Somebody else can pat you on the back. I'm not going to. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. 
The Lord spoke to me one time in January and he said, you're going to have a powerful move of the spirit. And I'd seen, uh, I, I had meetings uh, six times, three days each over a period of 15 months and 2000 people got saved. But I knew in my spirit, man, this would be more people in a lot quicker time frame. And so uh, I was, uh, I told my staff, I said, God's going to do something this year. I don't know what or when. And a whole bunch of people are going to get saved. I said, yeah, a lot of people are going to get saved. And we had an event in October that the Lord led us into. And thousands came and 5,000 people got saved in 30 days. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. And so as I'm moving towards this, I don't know the details. I don't know what's going to happen. I just know God's going to move. We got to get ready. And I had a woman in my church, a powerful woman of God, and she's an intercessor. She has since gone home to be at the Lord. And uh, I, I called her in my office and I called her by name and, and she, I loved her dearly. She's much older than I am. I've pastored five generations of her family now. And I could tell you miracle after miracle after miracle how I met her and what the Lord had me say to her and what happened and ministered her mother. And the revivals that she had come out of, they didn't even know she'd been a Christian. They didn't even know she used to walk with God. They didn't even know she lived in the realm of the supernatural, extremely high level. I said, now, Lenore, listen here. I said, I need you in October. And I want you up in my office every night while I'm ministering. And I want you to intercede and pray through the night. Now I'm going to leave. And when I leave, you're going to get sick and you're going to uh, go to see heaven. Now, when you see heaven, you're going to want to stay but I don't want you to stay. I want you to come back and go to work. Now I said, I want you to promise me that when you go to heaven and see the glory, you'll come back and go to work. She said, I promise pastor. I said, I'm going to hold you to it. And so uh, I took off and began to minister and I don't abandon my assignments. I don't say again, I don't abandon my assignments. Grab a hold of your assignment and do not abandon it. Paul said to King Agrippa, this is what happened. This is how I got saved. This is what the Lord told me to do. And I kept the vision all my life, 42 years. He lived up into his 60s, about 64. He was about 22 when he met Jesus on the road. Her family called me and said, mom's dying. You need to come home and pray for her. I said, I'm not coming home to pray for her until I'm done. Well, you've been her pastor. You're her, you're, you did this and this and that. And you need to come back and pray for her. And I said, I'm not coming back. Say it with me. I'm not coming back. I'm not done here and I'm not leaving. So they called me the next day. She's worse. She's going to die any minute. You need to come pray. I said, I'm not coming back. And so on day four, the longer it went, the meaner they got. The more nasty they got. They weren't even anywhere near the Holy Ghost and the fruit of the Spirit. They were somewhere there over there in demon land, angry and agitated and mad at me, thinking they could manipulate me. First, they thought they could do it by crying. Then they thought they could do it with manipulation. Then they thought they could change me with anger. Turn around and tell somebody, you're not going to sway me at all. Hello? Hello? Matter of fact, you're only making things worse. And so on day four, I went back. Now, by now, she's in a coma and she's laying in the hospital bed in the intensive care. And they're all whining, murmuring, complaining, feeling sorry for themselves in self-pity. Turn around and tell somebody, that's not in heaven. <laughs> Hello? And they're in there and I just walk right by that room. I don't even stop. I don't even look in, but I can see them in there. They some, well, somebody saw me go by. I could hear them gathering up their stuff and getting ready to trot down the hallway after me. I didn't pay a bit of attention to them. Opened up the door and shut it and locked it. Walked over to Lenora and I said, Lenora, come back in the name of Jesus. She opened her eyes. She said, I'm sorry, Pastor, I repent. I lied. I said, I know you lied. You saw the glory and didn't want to come back, but you kept your promise. Now you get well and get up out of that bed and get up to my office and start praying. We got 5,000 people who went to Jesus in 30 days. And she and I are having a conversation. She's completely of sound mind, completely healed. I said, God bless you. I'll see you later at the office. Turned around, all the family pressed up against the window like this. Come on, let's give God praise. It's the word that matters.
I walked out of there and you know, they're still half mad, but they can't be mad because mom's come back and she's perfectly all right. They kind of want to repent, but they're not ready yet. They haven't wallowed in their misery long enough. I just said goodbye. See y'all at church. It takes an army of pastors to follow me around. Say it with me. He learned to worship. He learned to hear. And what he heard was valuable. Now grab a hold of that and say amen. His heart was completely after God. When others were into pleasing man and living in the pleasures of the world, he was ready to please God. Where's my piano player? I hope he didn't die. If he did, resurrect him, bring him back to work. <laughs> praise the Lord. Say together, praise the Lord. Come on up here, lad, and earn your keep. What's that? Yeah, come on in here and do your job. His heart was sold out to God. Say it with me. His heart, His heart. sold out to God. What you need is a God encounter. And once you have a God encounter, change your life. What we need are the generations behind us here in the Lord. What we need are the generations behind us rising up and speaking the word of the Lord. What you need is somebody following in your pathway and you willing to invest in them. See what God sees when you look at them. He didn't get bitter when his mom left him. He didn't get bitter when he saw corruption in the priesthood. He didn't lose heart when he saw a nation in sin because leadership was in sin. He just kept right on praising the Lord. He didn't let circumstances distract him. Sin in the camp, he just kept on serving. Say it with me. Here I am. God is looking for hearts today that are ready to hear, ready to surrender. You don't even have any idea what he's going to ask you. You just show up and say, whatever you want, just tell me what to do. I'm ready. Wherever you want me to go, that's okay, I'll go. What you want, Lord, is all that matters. It's a powerful declaration of faith. It speaks of total commitment to serve God. It's a verse of surrender. It's a heart of surrender. Knowing that God is going to take us through the necessary stages we need to go through so that we're ready to surrender. I want to see, I want to hear, I want to know what you want. And when God speaks to you and you position yourself to hear, it's for his sake and his glory, not yours. It's for the sake of the ones he's going to send you to. And that's where a surrendered life is absolutely vital. God's just looking for surrendered vessels. He's looking for a generation behind us. Even at your age, he's looking for the generation behind you. Who's going to teach our children? I am. You know, I'd lay everything down. Just go minister to children. The first nation I went to to minister to was in Nigeria. I ministered with Benson Itahosa. We had crowds of 35,000 people. I was 23 years old. Miracle after miracle. 
chiefs and leaders came into one of the meetings and there were at least 35,000 people there. And uh, they stood up in front of everybody and made every white man and woman leave. They were wise. Because the ones that were there were there to take advantage of them. Sexually, financially, any way they could. And he said, y'all leave. And I'm sitting on the platform. And I thought to myself, this is going to be a little awkward walking down out of here and leaving. He turned around to me. He said, everybody but you, you stay here. You're here because you love us. You're here because you came to minister to us. You stay. You see, you stay as long as you want. I would minister during the day. It's 112 degrees to 3,500 children by myself with no help, no microphone, nothing, 10 hours at a time. I'd go off into the bush and children follow me from all over. A lot of them never saw a white person before, so they called me Oebo. And to them, that means a man that didn't get his last layer of skin. <laughs> the little ones would try to be brave. They, they'd never touched, never seen a white man, let alone touch one. And so I'd act like they weren't there and they'd get braver and braver and follow me. Big crowd of them, you know. And all of a sudden I'd turn around and go, Brar! and they'd take off running, hollering, screaming, having fun. But the little ones would get run over and they'd be crying and I'd pick them up and hold them. I told the Lord, I said, I'll stay here all my life. I'll call home, have my dad sell everything and send my wife and children over here and we'll stay all our lives. I went out in the bush. I had no idea, you know, how dangerous that was in their eyes. I prayed all night and all day for three days. I said, Lord, I'll stay here forever. I love these kids. It may, can I just tell you, God's looking for people that love people. They have a God encounter and they fall in love with the people they're sent to minister to. You couldn't drive them away if you had to. They'd die first. You couldn't drive them out of there. I believe God wants you to have an encounter, all of us, and give us such a love for people he's sending to that no matter what, we'll go. Yeah. Uh, and the Lord spoke to me on the third day. He said, no, you can't stay. He said, you go home. You raise an army and you send an army. He said, I'll put millions through your hands and you'll send it to the nations and feed people and send an army. You go home and I'll put millions through your hands for the body of Christ. Okay, Lord. Hold your hand out. Be a worshiper. Learn to hear and value what he says. Hold your hand out. Biggest check I've received so far for the body of Christ, $1,510,000. In the last 36 months, we've sown over $1.4 million. We've led over 1.3 million Muslims to Jesus. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. It'll always line up with the word if it's God. You'll learn the difference between your soul and your own desires and the Word of God. There's a difference, and people still learning that today. You'll learn that He'll confirm it and that there'll be witnesses. And you'll learn the importance of the blessing of authority. And nothing will stop you. Get hold of it. Nothing stop you. And you'll learn to say, here I am, Lord. That's what you want. That's what I'll do. Come on. You are not too old. And you are not too young. As long as you can breathe, I can put you to work. As long as you can speak, I can put you to work. If you can't speak, you can get healed. If you can't talk, you can still pray. You can put your hands on somebody. As long as your spirit 
and soul are inside that body, you can minister. You are never of no value. You are always his son and his daughter, and you are always valuable. And you will always have an assignment of prayer, intercession, encouragement, and prophetic anointing will flow through you if you desire it. Say it with me. I desire to prophesy. And the level you desire to build someone up and edify them is the level you'll prophesy. Let's all stand together. Worship team can come back. I'll turn this over to Pastor Kevin in a minute. I'm going to have to close there. Some of your assignments are assignments for life. Some of them have finished and God's going to give you new ones. God is in the business of giving you vision. Pastor, open up the line after a bit, just come hungry. I believe God wants to open eyes and open ears. I believe God wants to add to vision and give you vision. I believe God wants to renew vision. I believe God wants to break every lie over you and for you to be propelled by the power of God and the Spirit of God right into what God has for you. I believe God's going to resurrect people all around us that are alive and walking around but spiritually dead. They knew the things of God. They knew the Spirit of God. But they speak of it as a thing of the past. I got baptized in the Holy Ghost when I was 14 years old. In January. 1972. In Decatur, Illinois, at a Francis Hunter meeting. And he's been filling me ever since. And I don't speak of the Holy Spirit as a 50-year-ago experience. I speak of the Holy Spirit today and what God did today. And today was a special day. Every day with Holy Ghost is a special day. You and I need to stop saying, well, that was Samuel, that was pastor this or prophet that. No, it's the body of Christ. Come on, grab a hold of it. It's the body of Christ. He's going to ask you to do things you never thought he'd ask you to do, and you're going to impact people beyond anything you ever imagined possible to do. There is no small thing in God. You give one sandwich to a person the Lord told you to give a sandwich to, you'll change your life. I want to see God moving the kids. I want to see God moving everybody, young or old. Turn around and tell somebody, I'm not finished. Say it with me, I'm not finished. In fact, really, you've only just begun because today is a new day. Let's say together, today is a new day. Would you turn around and tell somebody, if this is true, tell them, I've made some mistakes. Go ahead and tell them again. I want you to know I've made a few mistakes. But I want you to know I've learned too. I've learned. And I'm not afraid of making mistakes. I'm going to tell you a testimony. I'm going to close in prayer. I have a friend. I love this man. He's really unique. He's a genius. Man, he can do anything, build anything. We work well together. But I have to watch him like a hawk. And we had done a job and it was phenomenal. It was beautiful. And he was bound to determine he was going to tear it all out. 
And I sat him down and I said, you are not going to tear this out. Sent him home. There's nothing wrong with this. Yeah, but that, that's just a quarter here. That, I said, you couldn't ever see that with your eye? Ever. And I got an eye. You have to get up there with tape measures and levels to even have a clue. You go home. He's all right. But I knew he wasn't listening. So I went over there about 4.30 in the morning, hid all his tools and waited on him. And he showed up looking for his tools. He turned the light on. There I was. He said, oh, no, I got caught. I said, you came over here to tear all that out, didn't you? He said, I did. I said, come to me and turn the light on. I said, sit down. I said, look how beautiful that is. The people we built that for want to move in here, and they're proud of this. They'll never know there's a slight flaw right there. It's not even anything you did wrong. And I said, God wants to heal you. I said, I want you to listen to me. I have a voice of the Father. That's beautiful. That's incredible. That's right. Nobody could have done a better job for less money than what you just did. Nobody could have blessed his family like you just did. And he began to weep. He said, my father would have beat me. My father would have cussed me over that. I said, you have a new father. And you can see him in Jesus. When you see Jesus, you see the father. And he began to weep. Why'd I tell you that story? That man got healed of being afraid of a mistake. And I want you to say with me, church, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid making a mistake that's why we walk in love if you walk in love it'll be alright any man here ever cut a board too short once or twice measure twice cut once get in a hurry you cut before you measure and next thing you know we really I tell people we didn't really cut it too short I cut that prophetically for another job y'all just reach up here and grab a hold of Father's love and know this, He loves you. And He wants you to step out and try and He will make you successful. He will make you look good. Because to Him, you're the best. To Him, you're special. To him, you're everything. And I ask the Lord to bless you. And I ask the Lord to seal these words in our heart tonight. You're headed for divine encounters. Your thinking will change. Your assignment will change. You've been re-upped into the army of God, the kingdom of God. And God loves you so much. It's just a board. You can use it for something else later on. And I thank you, Lord, for opening ears and opening eyes. And I thank you, Lord, that you choose a younger generation that we sometimes overlook. But we don't want to ever overlook them again. And we speak blessing over them. In Jesus' name, and all the church said, Amen. Amen.